It says, and he, Jesus, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on the either side, and Jesus in the center. And now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus carried his cross from the place of sentencing to the place of crucifixion, which was called Golgotha, the place of the skull. Before the Romans put a man on the cross, they put the cross on the man, forcing him to carry it in a public procession intended to draw attention to the condemned, his crime, and his fate. The Persians invented crucifixion, but one could only say that the Romans perfected it and made it an institution. It was the form of execution reserved for the worst criminals and the lowest classes. This was the form of death God ordained for Jesus to die and the death that he submitted to in the will of God. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. Well, what a blessing to be with you again today. Let's open our Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 19. Uh, if you remember, uh, last week we looked at Jesus' scourging and his, uh, how the mob, um, the mob really took over here, uh, over Pilate. Pilate, who was the one who was in control there in Judea. And we find that the religious leaders were the ones who really manipulated Pilate to give them what they wanted. And what they wanted was to get rid of Jesus. They wanted to get rid of him. They, they, didn't, uh, they were jealous of him. Uh, many people, instead of flocking to them, were now flocking to Jesus. And that usually doesn't bode well in the pride of man. The man mankind always wants to be preeminent. That they want to be the one that's in control. I don't know why. Everybody wants to be... There's a song back in the 80s. I think everybody wants to rule the world. I, I probably shouldn't even bring that up. But anyway, it's true. Everybody wants to rule the world. It's happening right now. There's a man over in the, in the far east trying to rule the world. But anyway, they wanted to have control over everything. And Jesus was really uh, just turning everything up on, its, up on its end. And so last week we looked at them finally getting, pi- or getting Jesus... And, and scourging him, and just the horrible act that that was. The scourging oftentimes killed the, the, the person who was being scourged. Oftentimes they didn't even have to take them to be crucified because they would die from blood loss and other uh, reasons uh, during the scourging. And it was a horrible thing. It was a horrible thing. In fact, it was so bad that as Jesus, as he was leaving, and this is where we left off last week, is as he was beaten, and as I mean, there were many things that happened to him, and we looked at that last week. I don't want to rehash that. But at the end of that scourging, 
Remember, Jesus was so physically weak and so uh, critically wounded by that time that he began to carry that patibulum. Remember that cross beam that they would affix to Jesus and he would have to carry that 75 to 125 pound beam of wood in critical condition uh, about a mile away to be crucified. And so he would be carrying that and at some point his body just was not... And, and, and this is what's so interesting to me about the incarnation. And this is the mystery that... Jesus was 100% man, and he had physical limitations. And this was one of them, and and this proved it. He was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. That is the mystery of the incarnation, the fact that God himself, he was in, Jesus is God. He was the word become flesh and dwelt among us. The beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word they crucified. They crucified the word of God, Jesus Christ. And a mystery to us is that how he, in his humanity, he would pay that price for us. But he was also almighty God who could have delivered himself from this horrible atrocity that he was going through. Very easy for him. He even told them. He even told his disciples. It would be very easy for me to call down legions of angels and it would be an over in an instant. Talk about, you know, when Jesus' second coming, when he comes, believe me, it's going to be a bloodbath. Because it's not about bringing the world to salvation at that point. It's... He's coming for judgment. And are you on the right side of this? Are you on the right side of Christ? Have you given your heart to him? Listen, he does not delight in the death of the wicked. But there is only one possibility for us. You know, many people say, well, I want to go to heaven. Well, many people want to go to heaven, but they they choose their own means to get to heaven. But Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man, no man comes unto the Father except through me, he said. So it's only through him. And we have to make a decision. I mean, is there anything about Jesus? I mean, honestly, that you would say, I can't let this man rule over me because... Whatever that list is. Is there a list like that? There's no list like that to me because I know he's true. I know he's righteous. I know he's compassionate. I know he's loving. I know he's all of these things that I am not, and that's why I need him. I need him for many reasons. I need him to be saved. I need him to give me a new heart. Can anybody agree with me on that? I need that, and you do too. The path, he said, is narrow. Narrow is the path that leads to life, but wide is the road and wide is the gate that leads to destruction. But he wants us all on that narrow path. Yes, it's a narrow path, but it's open to every single person who is breathing. Every single person, no matter how wicked and awful they are. And I fit that description (laughs) before I came to Christ. And even now, honestly, I don't deserve him, even now. None of us do. But Jesus underwent that scourging. And we're just going to look at, we're going to finish the chapter hopefully today. But I want to read now, because remember, Jesus was so emaciated. He was so uh, critically injured. He was dehydrated. He hadn't slept. He hadn't drank anything. He hadn't eaten anything. And put yourself in that position. Because not only was he those things, but then he was, he was scourged. He was beat on the head. He was punched with a blindfold or a, a sack over his head in a sense. And he was... 
beaten, and then finally had to carry this very heavy wooden beam to the cross to be crucified. And then Simon, remember, Simon the Cyrenian from northern Africa, he just happened to be there, and because Jesus fell, because he couldn't, physically couldn't take it, they said, Simon, you carry the cross the rest of the way, and he did. And that's where we pick up in verse 17, and notice what it says. It says, and he, Jesus, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on the either side, and Jesus in the center. And now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, notice, and it was written in the Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, and therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. And then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, they took his garments, made four parts to each soldier apart, and also the tunic And now the tunic was without seam, woven from top in one piece. And they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but let us cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour that disciple took her to his own home. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst And now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it into or put it up to his mouth. And so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Gave up his spirit. And I titled this morning's message that the scripture might be fulfilled. Because throughout this chapter, in fact, in, chap- in John's Gospel, 12 times it's mentioned to us uh, something about it, had, it, has been, it has been written, or this happened because it was written. And it's always pointing us back to the Old Testament. And we're going to see that. And four times here in chapter 19 it says, because it was written, because the, the, so that the Scripture could be fulfilled, this happened. And so that leads me to believe that Jesus' death on the cross was no mistake. It was not a, uh, uh, something that happened by mistake at all. It was, it was known before the foundation of the earth. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. That's what, that's what the Revelation 13 verse 8 tells us, that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. So that means that before Genesis 1 verse 1, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, before he even did that, before the creation event, and the the six days of creation, before that, it was already determined that man would sin. Because there has to be free choice. You have the right to choose 
We have the right to choose, and I tell you that is the most It is the scariest thing that we have, the ability to choose. And isn't that what love really is? It's a choice. It's not even so much a feeling. I love it when, you know, when you're first married or even you've been married for a long time and you still have that love, that commitment with your spouse. And that, that's a good thing because it is a commitment. It's more than just the, 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 the flash-in-the-pan emotions of, of romance and love, and, and that's all wonderful and good. But it is also, and most importantly, it is a commitment. It is a decision. It's a purpose of the will. So important to remember that. And that's what Jesus did. He willingly went to the cross for us. He willingly went. And the prophecies in the Old Testament are replete. Many, there's so many things. But that the scripture might be fulfilled. And in the remaining of this chapter, we're going to see at least four different topics, or I wouldn't really call them themes, but you could, I guess you could call them that. And that is the unbridled hatred of Jesus by the Jews, even in his death. And then Jesus also being the good shepherd right to the very end, his provision and his care for his mother Mary, even while he was in agony on the cross. And certainly the prophetic word, again, nothing was by mistake. These things happened that it, because it was written, these things have happened. And the bold witnesses, we find, uh, excuse me, I'm going to tie this shoe really quick because I can tell right now that I am going to trip and it will be more of a, a, an interesting service than it might already be. So, But the bold witnesses of Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, we see them coming out of their shell in a sense. They were secret disciples, kind of in the background, not wanting to cause a big ruckus, certainly not wanting to uh, muddy the waters. And we're going to see these two men at the death of Christ come out of their shell and say, you know what? I believe in him and I'm willing to be identified with Christ. I would encourage you not to be a silent witness. Excuse me. Don't be a silent witness. Be one that's very open about your faith. Excuse me. Our world today tells you, you know, you should never talk about religion or politics or... um, or the Yankees and the Red Sox. You know, you can't talk about those things, otherwise people get upset. Well, you know what? When it comes to the gospel, let them get upset. Because, folks, you hold the truth. We hold the truth in earthen vessels. We do. It's our responsibility. It's our great joy. It's our great privilege to go out and share that truth with people who don't know Christ. They need to know him. Jesus said to a very religious man, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you've got all the trappings. You're a Pharisee. You've got all these things happening, but you are missing the boat. And there are so many people today missing the boat because they go to church, because they've given lots of money to the church. Hey, listen, you know, there's nothing wrong with giving. We should be giving. We should offer tithes and offerings to the Lord and for His work that's happening here and outside of this building. We should. And you ought to. But He doesn't care about the money. He wants you. He cares about you. That's all He cares about. 
And Nicodemus and Joseph finally come out of their shell, and I love that. But there were a number of places in the Scripture where John mentions, you know, as the Scripture has said, or has not the Scripture said, or but that the Scripture may be fulfilled. in four different times, in four different verses, just in this chapter alone. And the first one, you know, was Jesus... Um, speaking of Jesus' tunic or inner garment, we'll see this in the 24th verse of this chapter. They said among themselves, the officers or the the soldiers, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, uh, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now these Roman men, we'll find out this later, they didn't really believe in the scriptures. They they weren't following a script. All right, we'll get to that. But notice also in the 28th verse, And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. And then in verse 36 and verse 37, these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. You know, there was someone that I knew many years ago who tried to convince me that all these people, the Roman soldiers, Judas, the apostles, even Jesus was following some kind of script like actors in a play because they misunderstood these phrases that we are talking about right now, that it might be fulfilled or that it should be fulfilled. You know, these men, Judas acted on his own behalf. You know, he, he, of his own evil heart, he betrayed Jesus. And the Romans could care less about the Jewish scriptures. They weren't faithful men. They didn't have faith in God. And so parting the garments with them was just was not following a script. They did that unknowingly fulfilling scripture. That's why John gives the commentary that it might be fulfilled, which said that they parted my garments. They weren't following some script. They could care less about it. It was their, it was their lot to receive the clothing of the one that they executed. That was what the Roman law allowed, that they could have their clothing. So this is something that they did with all the criminals that they crucified. But they were unaware that they were fulfilling prophecy given, in this case, over a thousand years ago, before Jesus was born. Unwittingly falling into these things. And see, that to me is encouraging because God is outside of time. And when he writes, and he inspired David to write Psalm 22, when he inspired Isaiah to write uh, Isaiah 53, that chapter about the suffering servant, When God did that, he knew what he was doing, and he was prophesying in advance. He knew what was coming. But none of those men had any clue. They were just going by their own natural instincts. They were responsible for everything they did. Everything that they did, everything that they said, everything that they did, they were responsible for. God just has this wonderful attribute of himself that no one else has, and that's omniscience and omnipotence, and his omnipresence. There is no one in the universe who has those three, but he does. And he can tell things with pinpoint accuracy. That's why the critics hate the Bible. Because uh, things like Daniel and Genesis and Isaiah, they, they, they try to discredit these men. And yet, history proves, and things come up all the time, that just give the truth, the veracity of the word of God. And then the scholars in the ivory towers at Yale and Harvard are going, well, 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 whatever. They need to bow the knee 
to Jesus. And they, yeah, you're right, they will. <laughs> One day every tongue will confess and every knee will bow that Jesus Christ is God. Amen? But there is a reason that John is leading people to the scriptures by saying that it, was, that it might be fulfilled, that the, the scripture might be fulfilled, because he wants to let his readers know that Jesus' crucifixion was not a mistake. He wasn't a martyr. This was something that the prophets had been prophesying for over hundreds of years and even a few thousand years. And so John is constantly getting people to focus on the word of God. Is it any wonder that he, that he is doing this because it's part of the purpose behind his gospel? What does it tell us at the very end of, or near the end of John's gospel? But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. And so from the beginning, John has been pounding the drum of the importance of not only the written word of God, which we hold in our hands, which they held in their hands in scrolls of the Old Testament, but he's also pounding the drum, pointing to the physical word of God, the incarnate word of God, Jesus Christ. Because the word of God and the word of God are the same. I mean, they're, they're, they're different, but his word is not inconsistent with who he is, with his character. There's no schism. There's no inconsistencies about who Jesus is and everything he stands for and this that you hold in your hand. God made sure of it. He made sure of it. And so we need now more than ever to be focused on the word of God rather more so than what we see on the news, what we see on Facebook, what we see on Twitter, what we see on Telegram or Getter or True Social, YouTube or Apple or Google Podcasts. Let the Word of God be front and center in your life and in your heart. Spend more time on that more than anything else. And I need to be aware of that because there are times where I get out of balance. And you're no different than I am. And I know this because I hear you. You share a... You'll share something with me, and, and that might be all fine and good. But there are some that have shared things with me that are just out in left field, that are just heretical. And it's like, who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to what God has to say, or are you going to listen to what these people have to say? And just in case you haven't been paying attention, the things that God has been speaking about in his word, the very groundwork of it, has been being laid, and it's being formed before our eyes. And soon, in his time, it will all be fulfilled. And it's getting clearer and clearer, isn't it? The last two years have become, I tell you, the microscope was like far away. Things were kind of fuzzy, and now it's looking pretty clear, folks. Are you aware of that? Are you awake We need to be awake. We need to be awake. We need to be understanding about what's going on. And we need to be Bereans more than ever. Acts 17.11, the Bereans, Paul admonished them because they searched the Scriptures daily to see if those things that he told them were true. They searched the Scriptures to find out. But the bedrock of our faith is the Word of God and nothing else. In Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 14, it says, Paul says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how- That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.